0: Father's Day, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Welcome home. My name is Wade Owens. I'm the pastor here, and we're incredibly excited that you've chosen to be with us today. Uh, Two of those other men were two of the pastors from our collective church family, Jay Strother, who pastors our church at Station Hill, and Aaron Bryan, who pastors our Avenue South campus. If you didn't know, we're part of eight campuses across Middle Tennessee that make up the Brentwood Baptist family of churches. So welcome home. Happy Father's Day. I did not bring all of my favorite dad jokes to start the sermon today. However, I did bring some of my favorite Chuck Norris jokes because Chuck Norris is every dad's hero. If you don't know who Chuck Norris is, you should leave. So I will start with my favorites. Number one, Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he never cries. There's no chin behind Chuck Norris's beard. There's just another fist. Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice. Chuck Norris can speak Braille. Death once had... Some of you are like, you might explain that one to your neighbor. Death once had a near Chuck Norris experience. Chuck Norris won a game of Connect 4 in three moves. (laughs) Chuck Norris is the reason why Waldo is hiding. The flu gets an annual Chuck Norris shot. And lastly, Chuck Norris can clap with one hand. I love it. My name is Wade, and we are in a series called Recovering Identity. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about serious real-life issues like gender identity, sexuality, and we're going to discuss biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. And if you miss gender identity, and what does the Bible say about those who experience gender dysphoria, and what does it look like for a church to respond with both grace and truth, kindness and conviction, you should Go listen. Last week we talked about sexuality, although it wasn't the talk. We talked about God's plan and purpose for intimacy and relationships. If you missed it, catch up on our website. Today, however, even though it's Father's Day, we're actually going to cover biblical womanhood. So you guys got to come back next week and hear what it means to be a man. But today we're going to learn how to treat our ladies. And the reality is most people wonder... What does it actually mean to be a woman? And there are a thousand different voices competing for a definition of what it means to be a woman. And there's a vacuum of truth. And culture has a particular narrative and ideology. If you go to colleges and you go on a college campus, there's going to be thousands of different women's studies and courses and majors. You talk to marketing firms and they're going to have an approach. There's a particular ideology on social media. So ladies ask the question, do I have to be a career woman? What if I'm a woman of color? Am I defined by being a stay-at-home mom? What if I'm a single mom or a single woman? What does it mean? And we're bombarded with messages. However, what we've said in this entire Recovering Identity series is the only voice that really matters is the voice of our Creator. Because the Creator God knows how His creation was built to flourish and thrive in this life. And if you look close enough, what you'll find is that the common narrative in our culture today denies the dignity of women. The common narrative today denies the dignity of women. It distorts true beauty, exploits women, and the effects are evident everywhere we look. So the, the voice of our Creator is the one voice that really matters, because the Creator really knows how His creation was built to flourish and where a thriving life is found. And so in this series, we just desperately want to hear from God's Word and If you're new to the Bible or new to church, listen, God's word is not antiquated on the issues of gender and sexuality. It brings to us the fullness of beauty and goodness that God has for us. So I want us to trust God and I want us to trust his word. We're going to be in several different passages today. And so I want to remind you of one that's very popular, Proverbs 31. It says, a woman who fears the Lord will be, what's the word? So let's praise our women here. We want to honor them, and we want to esteem them, and we should praise them, not in an idolatrous way, but the Bible says, "When a woman fears the Lord, we should praise them. And in so doing, we're praising God and His good work. C.S. Lewis said this: "If we don't admire what's praiseworthy, we shall be foolish, insensible and great losers." End quote. Do you want to be losers?" I don't want to be a loser. Therefore, we should esteem our women. Amen? So let's let God's Word define what it means to be a woman. And let's talk about biblical womanhood today. So, Lord, help us to understand your creation. Help us to thrive as your created beings made in your image so that we would flourish in this life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... So although we'll be in several passages, I still want you to have a Bible, have it open, bring a pen, bring a notebook, bring something to write down. I'm assuming God will have plenty to say that you'll want to take notes on. I might have at least one thing to say you might want to write down. So we love God's word and we love to take notes here. So we'll start in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female... He created them. So, in the creation account, from the very beginning, God had a purpose and a plan for gender. He created male and female. In his image, they're designed on purpose, with a purpose, with a unique expression of the image of God, male and female. So the first thing you need to know about biblical womanhood right off the bat is this. Number one, women are designed with dignity designed with dignity by creator God in the image of God himself. He created them with dignity. You're designed with dignity. So ladies, look right here. Your dignity is based solely on the God who created you. Your dignity is not based on your appearance, your career, your marital status, anyone's opinion, the color of your skin, your dignity is designed and given to you by God himself. You are created in the image of God, by God and for God, and you represent God, and you are created in the same way men are, by God and for God. And so, Starting in July, we're going to have a series called Family Framework, where we're going to talk about the practical aspects of marriage and parenting. And so if you want to know, well, what does it look like to be a woman in marriage? What does it look like to be a woman who parents? We're going to get to that in July. Right now, we're talking about big ideas. But God is declaring from the beginning of the Bible, listen to me, gender superiority doesn't exist. There are different roles in churches. There are different roles... In marriage. But God has designed man and woman to be equal in terms of dignity, value, and worth. We have different roles. We have different callings. But we are equal in terms of dignity and value and worth. So any relationship... Any culture, any country, anyone that would say that men are better, anywhere where women are treated as less than or objectified, is directly against the word of God and is sinful and there is no place for it. Men and women are equal in terms of dignity, value, and worth. As I said, when we get into the marriage series, we'll talk about what it looks like to function in our roles. We talk often about what it looks like to function in our roles as a church, but different roles doesn't mean less dignity. Men and women possess the same dignity, value, and worth, physically different, but equally dignified, wonderfully and beautifully made by God himself and created in his image. And what's sad is that there is billions Not millions, but billions of dollars spent every year by the entertainment industry that simply highlights the female figure for the purpose of marketing. You are esteemed only if you looked apart. But ladies, your value isn't based on your appearance. Your value is given to you by God himself. And you were designed with Dignity, And it is foolish and sinful to treat an image bearer of God like an object. If you remember what we read earlier in Proverbs 31, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Therefore, you need to know, women are not defined by cultural Beauty, did you know that culture is always changing its mind on what is beautiful and attractive and pleasing to the eye? I was born in 1977, so in my middle school years were the 80s. 1985 was not the height of style and decorum. This is I googled most popular men's fashion 1985 because I didn't want to bring my own picture, and this is what I found. That's Flock of Seagulls haircut right there. We look at that and like, what were they think? You know, in a few years they're going to look back and go, "Let me show you 2022 right here." You know, that's going to be you right there. Now, now look at look at women from 1985. This was the hairstyles. <laughs> There's enough aquanet to punch a hole in the ozone layer right there. So sometimes culture says, "Hey, you, you've got to be tall and tan and thin to be beautiful." But in other generations, they say, no, no, you need to be very pale and very robust. Culture always changes its mind on beauty. But God said from the beginning, I made you on purpose, with a purpose, and your dignity and your value and worth comes from your Creator. Therefore, 1 Peter 3 tells us how to cultivate true beauty. And although Peter's specifically speaking to wives, I think the instruction really bears out and applies to all women who want to pursue Jesus. So 1 Peter 3, 3-4 through 4 says this, Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like an elaborate hairstyle and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart. You know what's interesting? The Bible nowhere gives... This instruction to men. You, you won't find similar instruction in the Bible given to men anywhere. Why? Because ladies are often tempted or they face a greater temptation to focus on outward appearance, which is a vicious cycle because physical beauty of a woman is often exploited and often a changing cycle that you have to change. But God tells his daughters, I don't know, your real beauty is found on the inside. And listen, First Peter is not condemning dressing up and being beautiful or working on your outward appearance. My grandpa used to say, listen, if the house needs paint, paint the house, okay? First Peter's not saying, now that my grandpa said that, I didn't say that. So you can't be offended by something my grandpa said. So first Peter is not saying that you shouldn't care about your outward appearance. My wife is stunning. She's beautiful. I cannot wait to chase her around the house when she's 80. She's amazing. She's amazing. But the Bible says beauty is fleeting and deceptive. The most attractive thing about my wife is her pursuit of Jesus. Like her holiness is her hotness to me because she radiates the glory of God and the way she lives and functions and parents and is my wife and leads here. That's what is most attractive to me. And so ladies, you have to turn your attention to the beauty of your soul. It's like I talk to couples in marriage counseling all the time. If you spend the next year preparing your wedding but you don't prepare for marriage, you've not succeeded. Turn your attention to the beauty of your soul because quite often your attractiveness is a cause of exploitation, not praise. But Proverbs says, man, a woman who fears the Lord will always... Be praised. So cultivate true beauty. And with that, women are, listen, they are a unique display of the glory of God. We read this last week. Genesis 2.8 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. And what's interesting is if you read through the creation account, the Bible is saying God said it's good. God created it's good. God created it's good. God created it's good. Good, 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 good. And then all of a sudden, the first time in the Bible you read not good. As he said, it's not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper corresponding to him. Man needs woman, and woman needs man. This was not an accident. It wasn't that, you know, after God created Adam and Eve and sin entered the world, like I told you last week, and Jesus left to rescue us, God didn't look around and go, wait a minute, angels, come in here. You know what would be a good analogy for my son's death? Man and woman. I'll describe my son's salvation like that. I'll say it's like a husband dying for his bride. That wasn't on accident. It was a purposeful design that God did to display the glory of his son by creating us male and female. God didn't find husbands and wives to be an illustration of his son in the church. He created us that way. And We looked at this passage last week, Ephesians 5.31. It said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Then he said this, Quoting Genesis, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So from the beginning, women were created to be a unique expression of the glory of God. And God is painting a picture. So ladies, you are indispensable to the kingdom of God. And without you, we are robbed of an incomplete picture. Excuse me, robbed of a complete picture of all of the gifts and beauty that belong in the family of God. God says, men, do you see how Jesus loves and serves and laid his life down for the church? Go go and do that for the ladies in your life. Ladies, do you see how the, the church loves and submits and respects and follows Jesus? Go and serve and follow that way. Gender was not an afterthought in God's plan. You ladies were designed by God to display the glory of Christ in ways that wouldn't be here if you were not. God is telling us in our relationship between Jesus and the church, why he made us male and female. Being a woman is not simply biology. It is an indispensable part of God's plan and purpose. And so you're designed with dignity. You're not defined by cultural beauty, and you are a unique display of the glory of God. Therefore, you need to know, women are not (laughs) called to be weak, Impassive passive. Men, how many of y'all are married to or know someone who is not weak and passive in your life? You may want to ask them permission to raise your hand first. Just kidding. Look, I didn't marry a weak and passive woman. And with my wife, we are endeavoring by God's grace to raise two daughters who are not going to be weak and Passive. And being weak and passive doesn't mean you're controlling or manipulative. But I love what John Piper said. He says the opposite of a passive woman is 14-year-old Marie Durant, a French Christian in the 17th century who was arrested for being a Protestant, an evangelical Christian. Arrested. And she was told she could be released from prison if she said one phrase, I renounce. Just renounce your faith. Renounce your faith in Jesus and we'll let you out of prison. Instead, she wrote one word on the wall of her cell, resist. And she did, and she spent 38 years in prison because she wouldn't give up on Jesus, and there she died. That's not weak and passive. The opposite is Gladys Staines, who in 1909, after serving with her husband in India for 30 years, learned that her two sons, Philip 10 and Timothy 6, had been burned alive by the people they had been serving. And in response, she said, I have one message for the people of India. She said, I'm not bitter and I'm not angry, but instead I think together we should burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love, End quote. That's not weak and passive. A lady at my former church named Sarah, who was born disabled and spent her life in a wheelchair, and her family spent untold amount of money trying to help her walk. And finally, in her teenage years, the doctors came to her and said, I'm really sorry. We've exhausted our resources and you're never going to be able to walk. And with the biggest smile, she said, that's okay because I kind of want my first steps to be with Jesus anyway. <laughs> that's not weak and passive. You're strong. created by God with a purpose on purpose. And because of that, man, women are kingdom expanders, darkness disruptors. And if you go from page to page, women have been used by God in mighty ways to advance the kingdom of God. And if you read 2 Timothy, which is a letter Paul wrote to his protege Timothy, Timothy had a massive part in the church planting endeavors and the formation of the early church. But you know who had the most impact in the formidable years of his life. Well, look at 2 Timothy one five. It says this, I recall Paul writing to Timothy, your sincere faith that first lived in your who? What's the word? Grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. When you go to Acts 16 and you read, Timothy's dad, this massive church planter, partner with Paul, His dad was a Greek and not a believer, but Timothy had a sincere faith that God used to shape the world, and it was modeled for him and given to him and passed down to him by the women in his life, his mother and his grandmother, in his home day by day, year after year, now reverberating around the world, and it started in the lives of two ladies. And so, ladies, I hope you use your lives in ways that reverberate to the end of the world. Be kingdom expanders and darkness disruptors. Use your life to the fullest extent possible for the kingdom of God. And to be very clear, the place you begin, if you are a mother and if God calls you to that, if God gives you children, then that is where you begin. Your kingdom expansion begins in your home because the Bible says a mother's work in the home is to be esteemed. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a work, at work mom, career mom, doesn't matter. Where you begin is with the formation of the next generation of believers. There's nothing intellectually restraining about discipling your children. It is, in fact, the highest pursuit you can follow. It's not a limitation, it's a calling, and I guarantee you Lois and Eunice didn't regret it. They had no idea that Timothy would want to be the leading church planters of his day but by God's grace, they modeled it for it. So I pray your influence for the kingdom of God begins in your home and doesn't stop till it reaches the edges of the earth. But please make sure it begins in your home. And then I pray God extends it as long as possible. That God can use your way, your life in ways you can't imagine. And I know that you experience things that men don't and you have long days and longer nights but your love for your children and grandchildren will never be in vain ever and if you are here today and you're a single mom then welcome home we're so glad you're here I hope you look around and see family as a pastor I don't know all of your names but you need to know I pray for you by name or by face every week some of you Maybe be married but feel single because your husband is inactive or is not a follower of Christ and you feel like you're doing this task alone, and maybe you are, and you probably feel like, man, I'm falling short, <laughs> but you need to know I pray for you every week that God will sustain you and uphold you by his right hand, lift you up, but God is a ever-present help in your time of need. And you are not alone because this church can and will be your family. And if you're single... Those of you who are younger or maybe you're wondering when I'll get married if you're single, listen, statistically, we are rapidly approaching the day where 50% of our population will either be never married, widowed, divorced. So singleness is becoming almost as common as marriage. And the Bible says to some God gives it as a gift, and the top of those that make those lists as men is Jesus, John the Baptist, and Paul. Decent men, Amen. Women, Mary and Martha, Miriam and Lydia. But I would say, and listen, and I I tell this to my girls all the time, so if I could just say it to you as your friend and your pastor, those of you who are single, do not be so desperate for a guy that you won't accept someone that refuses to treat you like the treasure you are. Don't be so desperate for a guy that you accept someone that doesn't see you for the treasure you are. You're not going to become the old cat lady. I promise. You're daughters of the king. So be selective. Look for a godly guy. Be purposeful. Be prayerful. It doesn't mean you have to be picky. Purposeful is not picky. Some ladies are so picky if Jesus walked in the room, they'd be like, mmm. That's a lot of facial hair. I don't know. You know. (laughs) Purposeful is not picky. Be purposeful. Be prayerful. And I know you think, man, listen, the trash gets taken out more than I do. But you're not trash. You're a daughter of the holy God. Wait for someone to treat you like that. You don't need a husband to complete you. You're designed with dignity, created by God for God. And in Christ, you are complete, and you have a place here. And marriage is a beautiful thing, but it's not the main thing. And so true womanhood thrives, whether in marriage or in singleness. Because true womanhood is a design that God gave you, that he created you, and he will sustain you. And you are beautiful for no other reason than God said so. And I, and I know like guys have a lot of different struggles. Like we'll, we'll talk about biblical manhood next week. And the tone will be a little bit different as we talk to guys. We have our issues, but I just want you to know that I know some of you feel like, I do not measure up. Like, who's telling you that? Maybe you think, if only I had done blank. Like, who's, who's reminding you of that? You're not defined by your decisions. You're not limited by your past. And the Father is in charge of your future. And so I just want you to breathe a little bit this morning. Just breathe. And what I'm going to invite you to do for just a minute is just close your eyes and bow your head. We're going to spend some time in prayer together. I'm just going to guide you through. And what I know about a lot of us is sometimes the first time we pray all week long is when we show up in church. And so could you just close your eyes and bow your head? Guys, you can pray for the ladies you know. They have struggles and wearinesses. They feel like they're failing. They rarely feel like they are accomplishing they have struggles that we don't know culturally and in many different ways but ladies would you just breathe in a, a big deep breath of the grace of god you're designed with dignity You're a unique part of the glory of God that we wouldn't have without you. You're not defined by cultural beauty. You don't have to be weak and passive. You can be kingdom expanders and builders. And so how about for just a moment, ask God to give you the identity that you need to hear. And listen, I know you have areas where you struggle or you feel like you 've failed, or why don 't you just confess that to the Lord and ask for healing and redemption just Just tell him what you need to tell him. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Just you and the Lord. Say what you need to say. Hear what you need to hear. Just you and God.